All right. Well, I, uh, I told you guys last week that, that I was working on my sermon from, a, from the airport in Kansas City. I was, I was on a conference there, and I had this awful flight that I, I told some of you, that if you were here last week, that's what we talked about as we were doing this Dynamite Jesus Explosive Story series. So I was talking about that from Kansas City. Well, this week was quite a bit different for me. Um, I'll start this way. When I was in 1999, when I first came here to Colorado, there were four people that stepped into Jackie and my life, and we had three little kids. We had Jack and Ella were little kids, and Maggie was a baby. Abby wasn't even born yet. And, and we, we came into this college ministry working at First Press Church and on the University of Colorado campus with this ministry we called The Annex. And I came in, and I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. I was 29 years old. And these four people, these two couples, Jim and Kathy Rabin and Donna Dottie Bachman, these four people came and said, we're just going to love you guys. We're going to love you. We're going to love your ministry. We're going to love your kids. We're going to speak wisdom into your life. We're going we're to encourage you in your marriage. We're going to stay consistent in your life. And if you think about that, that's powerful. That's powerful that they did that. It'd be like if any one of you guys decided, you know what, I'm going to walk with, with Maurice and Aisha. In the, the, he's our high school, he's high school director. We're going to walk with Maurice and Aisha or Chris and Sarah or anybody. I mean, these guys are coming in, Maurice and Aisha from California, and they're running our high school ministry. And it'd be like if you guys just said, I'm going to love you guys. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to speak words of wisdom in your life. I'm going to be consistent in your life. I'm going to help you in your ministry. That's what these four people did for Jackie and I, and they have been walking with us ever since then. They were part of a prayer team that got started to help us to get a sense church started. They were part of that prayer team. Well, one of those four, Dottie Bachman, she started to struggle with dementia. It was vascular dementia that looks just like Alzheimer's about four or five years ago. And Don finally put her, had to, had to um, have her move to, to Balfour to have, her, to have them take care of her. And just this last week, Dottie fell and she broke her hip in a couple of places, and, she, and she, she hit her head hard on the wall, and she broke her collarbone. And, she, and, and the doctors said, you know what, this is the point that her body's going to start giving out on her. And, she's, and they think that she doesn't have much time left to live. So they had to move her to hospice care, the old Boulder Community Hospital in, in, in Boulder. And they moved her to hospice care, and they said it's probably going to be sometime within this next week that she will probably pass. And so, so Dottie who means so stinking much to Jackie and I, I and, and Don and the, and, and the investment they've made in us, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go over there as much as I can. And so I was over there a lot this last week. I was, I was there every day in the, in the room with Don and his daughter and his son and, and sitting there with Dottie and some other visitors that would come in. But there were moments where I just said, you know, I, Don, go ahead and go to lunch with everybody. Can I just sit with Dottie myself? And I would sit with her. And then I, every once in a while, I'd ask Don, can I, can I have the night shift? Can I come at night? You guys can go home, and I'll just stay here for a while with Dottie at night. And so I'd go there at night, because what I was finding is, at night, or in, when I was by myself with her, I had these just fantastic moments where I could just, where I, I started talking to her about, about the sermon that I'm about to preach, and I started talking to her about just, just what she has meant to me, and how much she has invested in, in me in my life. As I, as I started to work on my sermon, because there was points, you know, you can, you can talk so much, and then you're just sitting there. You know, so I started working on my sermon, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm going through this parable. The parable that we're talking about today is the wise and foolish builder. And I started thinking about this. This parable comes at the tail end of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is doing this, this, this sermon on what the kingdom of God looks like. He's saying, here's how I want you to live out 
the kingdom of God. I want you to listen to these words that I'm saying, and I want you to put them into practice. And at the end, after this fantastic sermon that he gave, because everyone was crowding around Jesus at this point, because he kept healing so many people that everyone wanted to be around him. And so all these people are around him, and he's giving this sermon to his disciples and all these other people. And, and, and at the end, he just says to him, he says, look, you guys, you can't just go to church. This was his church was these people there. He says, you can't just go to church and listen to these words. You actually have to put them into practice. You can't just listen to them and let them float around in the air. You've got to grab onto them and settle them in and make them be the foundation of your life. You can't just listen and say, no big deal, and move on. And then he gave this parable of the wise and foolish builders to just kind of give them this hook that says, this is what I'm talking about. As I'm reading through that, I'm thinking about Dottie sitting right there in this bed. And I started reading the Sermon on the Mount to her. And as I'm reading these things to her, I'm starting thinking about how much her life showed how much she was listening and applying, listening and letting it sink in, taking these words and building a life on those words. I started thinking about it. I, I was reading, I read, I read, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy, and blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I'm looking at Dottie, and I'm just going, she's so stinking merciful. She's so stinking pure in heart that she shall see God. And I know she's got dementia right now, and I know that she's on her last breath. In fact, I'm going to head out right after the service and, and go over there because we think it could probably happen today that she will pass. And, and so, so I, I, you know, I know all that's happening as I'm reading this to her, but I'm just going, man, I, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm just going, I, I bet you you can see God right now. I started reading more, and I'm going, it says, you know, don't worry, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. And I thought back at all my years of doing college ministry, and I thought back of those years where my kids were young, and Jackie and I are overwhelmed with the kids, and we're overwhelmed with this ministry that just continued to grow and just blew up, and we're just going, man, there's just so much going on. And I can remember those days that Dottie would look at me right in the eyes with a little grin, and she'd just go, man, don't worry. God's got this thing. God's got you and your family. And she spoke those words into me because that's the way she was living her life too. And so then I, and then I read more. I read, I read, store up treasures in heaven. Don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy, but store up treasures in heaven. And I looked at her and I'm just going, you, you gave everything you've got. You got nothing left stored up here on earth. You gave it all away. You gave away your, the gift of hospitality. You gave away your love for college students. You gave that to them. You gave, you gave away wisdom. I used to send college students to her house and just go, just go and make brownies with Dottie. Just go make brownies with her. And students would go, well, why would I want to do that? And I just go, just go. I guarantee you, you're going to like it. And they'd come back just going, that woman is amazing. She gave. She gave through just her, her, her joy of cooking. She gave that. She gave it all away. Stored nothing on earth. I looked at that frail body of hers this week. And I'm going, you've got nothing left. You've given it all away. You've stored up treasures in heaven. I, I, I read, you are the light 
to the world. These are all parts of the Sermon on the Mount. There's all kinds of things that Jesus talks about in there. And he's, you are the light to the world. And I'm just going, you have been a light to Jackie and I. You've been a light to our ministry. You've been a light to college students. You have taken the words of Jesus and you've placed it on your life and you've made your life, that you've placed those as a foundation for your life. Now, I know you guys don't know Dottie. I know that, that that's, that's kind of strange, and you're like, I mean, okay, that's nice that you have that connection with that woman, and that's an example of someone that's taken the words of God and actually applied those to their life. And, and so I know it's a little odd for you to hear that, but, but as, I, as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm thinking through it, I'm just going, can you imagine if every single one of us on our last breath were able to lay there and really stand there and stand there right on the rock of Jesus and his love. And just and it, it, as, as frail as Dottie was, it's as strong as she, she is right now, too, standing right there on the rock. In Psalm 73, 26, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And in Hebrew, that was in the Old Testament written in Hebrew, that word strength really it means rock. If it's, it's translated, it means rock. So my flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the rock of my heart and my portion forever. And I look at that, I'm going, that is exactly where she has her life on. And I'm thinking, that's where I want to have my life. I want to be able to take those last breaths and just go, my life is firmly planted on the rock of Jesus. That's what Jesus wants too. And so as he shares these, these words to everybody, he's going, darn it, I don't want those to just land on an empty seat. I don't want the, the person that will come in next week to get the Red Robin certificate to get it. I want you to get it. And so he gives him this parable. Listen to what he says in this parable. And I'm gonna, the first part of the parable I'm going to read is actually coming from the message. It's a paraphrase that Eugene Peterson did. And the second part will be from the, the New International Version. The first part says this. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. And I read that part, and I'm just going, come on, isn't that what we do all the time? That we take those words of God and we just go, they're homeowner improvements for us. That at times we'll apply them when it's convenient, and times that they, we won't. We all do that. We just go, well, I don't know, hardwood floors or keep the old carpet. Ah, do I need the hardwood floors? Probably better to get the hardwood floors. And we look at it as homeowner improvements. When Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, he said man, you've got to love your enemies. Do we listen to that and say, man, that is foundational, that I've got to live that out in my life? Or do we look at it as homeowner improvements? Do we say, well, I mean, do I want to match the ceiling fan to the baseboards? I don't know. Do I need to? Should I go out and get a new one? I don't know if I want to. And is loving your enemies buying a new ceiling fan? You know, I, 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 went, I was in Bellingham before I was here in Colorado, Bellingham, Washington, north of Seattle, and I found, I had an enemy for the first time in my life. I had an enemy. I had somebody that didn't like me, that didn't like the ministry that I was doing, that didn't like my personality, that didn't like my, uh, I was too brash for him. He, he was, he didn't like my interaction that I had. He, he didn't like me at all. Unfortunately, he was my supervisor, and so that makes it even harder and, and I'm 27, and, and it was back when I, was, uh, when I would do anything, you know, not like now. Where I, where I, it's, 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 it was back when I was, I was brash, and I was tough, and so I was stubborn. 
And we would go head to head, the two of us did. And I figured out I had an enemy. For the first time in my life, I figured out I had an enemy. And I'll tell you what, when Jesus says, love your enemy, did I do, do you love your enemy? Man, for that, in that time, I'm going, no, 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 that, I don't have to apply that. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be nice if I had the hardwood floor instead of the, car, the dirty old carpet. I'll just keep the dirty old carpet. And, man, I drug that guy through the mud. I was really good at it. I was good at tell, making sure all of my friends down in Seattle knew what a jerk this guy was. I was good at making sure all the people who were around him knew what a jerk he was. I, I was really good at making sure that I was not loving my enemy. Because <laughs> it, it was just homeowner improvement. Do I really need to do it? When he's saying be a light to the world, do you look at it and say, I, I got to do that. That's foundational. That leads to change in my life. Or do I look at it and I say, homeowner improvement. Do I really need to be a light in my workplace, with my roommates, with my friends? Do I need to? Jesus is going, these are not just homeowner improvements. These are foundational things for our life. And then he gave him this. He says, as everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who builds a house on ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. When Jesus would share parables, it's really great. He would take these profound things that he'd share in like the Sermon on the Mount. He'd take these profound things and then he'd make them very simple and very much that any one of us could grab onto. You know, the, the, the Pharisees or people out there could go, man, Jesus, I want you to go deeper. I want you to, I want you to, to speak with the, just give us more theology. And, and Jesus is going, man, I'm just going to give you straightforward stuff. I'm going to give you some, I, I can sit here and, and do some wax eloquently on some theology that you can take great notes on and it'll sit in a bookshelf and gather dust. Or I can be very clear that this absolutely is for you in your life. And that's what Jesus did with these parables is he made it very clear and he made it very easy. He'd look around. We learned this when I was in the Holy Lands and we got to see it. He'd look around and he'd use examples right there where people were at. He'd look over and see a farmer and go, you see that farmer planting seeds over there? You see how some of them are landing in good soil and some of them are bad soil? And he'd give a story from that. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. He'd pick some mustard seed off a little mustard plant and he'd stick it in his hand and say, hey, you guys, faith as small as that can move that mountain over there. He'd use the terrain, he'd use the people, he'd use the culture, and he'd give them stuff that they go, oh, I get it now. And now he's using his own expertise in carpentry. He was a carpenter. And so he's using his own expertise. He's going, you guys like building a house. You can build the house on bedrock. You see that bedrock over there? You can build a house on bedrock, on that rock. And it's going to be tough, but you can build it right there. Or you can build it over here on that super hard packed sand because what would happen is the rivers would run through and then in the summer it would dry up and that sand would just get super, super hard and compact sand. It wouldn't be like beach sand. Nobody would build on that. That'd be stupid. But he would build on that hard, hard pan sand and he'd say, man, or you could build it over there. And he says, he says you could, you'll get into that ground a lot easier and you can build up your house. You can build your house. You can build your house. And he says, but the rains will come. The storm will come. 
The river will come. You guys, if you ever go to a church where they tell you that, that if you believe in Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen to you again, if you get into that kind of prosperity type stuff, you guys, it's just flat wrong. Jesus never promised that everything was going to be all fine. He's going, there's going to be storms in our life. Every one of us are going to deal with it. Every one of us are going to have stuff running. The water's going to run. And he's going, are you going to build it on a rock where it stands? Or are you going to build it on sand where it will fall? Which one are you going to do? Now the question is, why would we build on sand? Why would we do it? If we know that this will stand and this won't, why in the world would we do it there? Because it's easier there. Because it's faster there. And we look in every way we can in this world. The world, is, the, the world is too hard for us. Our life's too hard. So we look for every way we can to make it easier. Every way we can to make it faster. Come on. It's way easier to hate your enemy than to love your enemy. Way easier to give the phone call to someone and rip on that guy. Then to love them, that's harder. You love them, you're building your house on a rock, you're taking that found, those foundational things, you're putting it right down there and you're building on a rock, but that's harder. It's way easier to do this. It's way easier to not, to not be the, the light of Christ. When he's saying, man, you're going to be my light and you're going to shine in this world, it's way easier not to. It's way easier to just go, today when I go to work, I'm just going to go to work. I'm not going to talk to anybody about my faith. I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm a Christian. I'm not going to tell my roommate. I'm not going to talk to my roommate. It is so much easier to hide it under a bushel. And Jesus says, no, no, we're not going to hide it under a bushel. We are going to let that light shine. When I was in college, I was growing a ton in my faith. And I had learned a lot, and I was going to my college ministry up in Seattle, University of Washington, and I was was growing a lot. And then I got this job at Red Robin. It's Red Robin morning for us. We're celebrating Red Robin today. I was at Red Robin and eating those those Royal Burgers, and and, and I I started realizing a lot of the conversation was around um, the the, the bartender and the servants, the the, the wait staff. Those guys were all chatting about all the parties they were going to. And I'm going, man, I don't want to get excluded from that. And so I had this little cross, and I just hid it underneath my little uniform that I had to wear. And then finally, I got to about a year later, I, I had a chance to go on a mission trip to Philadelphia. And so I went to the manager, and I said, hey, I, I need some time off because I'm going to go on this mission trip. And he goes, a mission trip? What are you, a Mormon? And, he go, and I said, no, no. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm Christian. I, I just want to, I'm going on this trip. And he goes, I had no idea you were Christian. A year later. He had no idea I was a Christian because it's way easier to hide it than to show it. And so we build on sand. I was asking Jackie about this too. I said, Jackie, what do you think the sand is? And she said, well, it's also temporary. It's easier, it's faster, and it's temporary. And we're so tempted to just live in the temporary in this moment and not the eternal, not for what is long-term. We, love, we so much love it more. That's why, that's why, you know, when you got a donut or exercise, you know, I have the donut this morning because it tastes so good. You know, exercise is like, okay, if I could exercise today and it's, I see 10 pounds off tomorrow, I'll do that. You know, but if I have to exercise for six months, that's long-term. I'd rather just see something happen in this moment. And we're so stuck in this moment that we want that we miss the, the, why you would ever build for something longer than that. 
Andy Stanley says this. He's a pastor in Atlanta. He says, we trade what we want most for what we want in the moment. We might want most to be, to be on the rock. We, want, we might want most to hear those words and build a foundation on those words. We might want that the most, but we trade it for what we want in the moment. And the hard part about it is it looks, it looks stable. Those two houses look the same. You can build them both up. You don't see the foundations. You don't drive through a neighborhood and go, these are awesome foundations, really pretty. You just look at the houses, and the houses all look the same. They can look the same. It's Rock Creek. You're driving through Rock Creek. They all look the same, you know? And so, so, so we don't, there's, no, there's nothing that's different about them. And it looks and feels stable. You can, put your, you can put your life on your family, and it looks and feels stable. My wife is my rock. My, my children are my rock. We put, we put our life on that, and it looks stable. You guys, I was, Jackie's mom donated two couches when I was up in Seattle to our church. And so I went there with this old Ford Ranger pickup truck, and I picked them up, and I, and I put them in the back of her truck, in the back of this truck, and I jammed them in there. And you put these two couches in the back of the truck. They jammed in there. They're totally tight in there. They got the cushions underneath. I'm shaking it going, oh, this thing is so is secure. There's no way these things are moving at all. And then I drove from her house over there across the West Seattle freeway, 65 miles an hour across this bridge. And I'm driving, and I look in my rearview mirror, and one of the couches just, just goes just straight up. Straight up. Now, now, there's a chance of it falling right back down or not good. Straight up and straight over. And next thing I know, I'm watching it. I was going 65. That couch, when you're going 65 and you lose a couch at your back end, it doesn't just fall. It tumbles end over end. Tumbles down the freeway. Cars are diving out of the way. I found out that I could have got, gone to prison for that if a car got hit by that. So I, I'm watching it going, oh, no, oh, no. And now I have that decision. Do I want to go back or should I just keep driving? You know, I pulled over because I got integrity. So I, I pulled over and I drove. I, I backed it back down to that thing, which you shouldn't do either. And I backed it down to that couch. And I'm looking at it, and the couch is just destroyed. And I, look, and, I, and I thought, there ain't no way I'm telling Bibi, Jackie's mom, that, that I, just, I just destroyed the couch that she just donated. So I, you know, to this day, she doesn't know. She'll probably listen to this online if she does. And sorry, Bibi, it was 20 years ago. Let it go. So, so <laughs> but you guys, you think it's stable. You think it's stable, but it's not. You think it'll work, but it doesn't. Because the storms will come. You plant your house you plant your, your family, you think your family is the rock, you plant your life on family, the storms will come. A high school student that has a boyfriend that breaks up with her, and she's just totally distraught and can't handle anything, and, and just it's the worst. Why is it so bad? Because she put all of her life, all of her weight on that relationship, and the rains came. We look at that and we say it's no different than us today. When you put your life on your business, the rains will come. You put your life on your family, the rains will come. You put your life on your reputation, the rains will come. You put your life on your future and your 401k, the rains will come. My grandpa was one of the wisest men I have ever known. And he was so good with retirement and all of his plan for retirement. But then he got Alzheimer's at 68. 
And for the next 10 years, all of that retirement went towards taking care of him. And you just go, wait, where was that great plan about you and grandma that we're going to go to Phoenix in the winter and, and, and stay up in, in Spokane in the summer? You just go, man, if you put your weight down, and, he, and I'm not saying that's what my grandpa did, but if you put your weight down on your future, the rains will come. And then what happens? Versus, you hear those words of God and you let that be your foundation. And your family is now set on that foundation. And your business is set on that foundation. And your future is set on that foundation. Your relationships are set on that foundation from those words that you're hearing Jesus say and how you're applying those to your life. Because look, Jesus did not preach just so that you would get words and just go, okay, so that's good. Now I memorize those words. He did not preach for us to go, okay, that's a nice little thing for me to hear on a Sunday. He preached for change. He preached so that when we would put, our, put that weight down on that foundation, he knew that that would change us. He knew that that would grow us more and more like him. And he knew that if we were to actually do that and change, that, we, that, that when those rains came, we would be solidly on the foundation because change has happened over time. He never got mad at anybody for not having enough knowledge. He never looked at you and said, you don't have enough knowledge. He did look at people and say, come on, apply this to your life. He looked at those, those disciples in the boat when they were scared to death because of the wind and the rains coming. And he's going, come on, you guys, I told you, you can trust me. Would you actually listen to that and now apply that to your life? Would you make that foundational in your life? That's what he wanted. He didn't want it to just be words. Francis Chan is a, is a pastor down in Southern California, and I talked a little bit about him last week. But he, gave, he talked about his, it, it, he said, it'd be like my daughter. And it's like this. He said this. It'd be like for me, like right now, if I told Abby, my daughter, if I said, Abby, will you sometime this week clean your room? Will you, will you be sure to clean your room at some point this week? You know, if I told that to her. And if I came back the next week and I said, I said, Abby, your room's not clean. What if her response to that was, Dad, those were wise words. I, I was amazed by your words. I wrote them down. Will you be sure to clean your room sometime this week? I studied it. I studied the word sure. I studied the word week. Did that mean seven days or millions of years? I studied it all. I memorized what you said. I got a bunch of other girls together and we gathered around and we talked about it. We talked about how amazing it was. They started to memorize it too. Look at how far your word has gone, dad. Yeah, but Abby, you didn't clean your room. That's extra. I don't need to do that. I did the most important thing. I heard you. Jesus is going, are you kidding me? saying, clean your room. Make this foundational. Set this on the rock. Because things are going to happen. The rains are going to come. And I need you firmly planted on the rock. Now, some of you will say, I have. 
I have firmly planted myself on the rock. This is so good for you to speak to this person next to me. I'm so glad that you're listening to this because I've got my, my life so firmly planted on the rock. It's, it's, I, I'm so confident because I built my house on the rock. Some of you are in that place. And man, I applaud you for it. In fact, I, in fact I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build, Chris is going to help me. I'm going to build your house for you right now, okay? I, you were... You were in this place. You got my, you got my drill. All right, here you go. It's going to take about 15 minutes. Sorry. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I need that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's good, Chris. You're an awesome apprentice. Wait. Okay. Okay. There, I think that might be all I need you for. Good. So you built your house. You built your house on, a, on, on the rock. You, you said, man, I remember those days. I remember those days when I was reading scripture. And, it, and, I, and I read it, and I was applying it all the time to my life. I remember those days that I was praying for my grandma to know Jesus. I remember those days. I remember when I was, when I was serving. I went on that mission trip and how much that meant to me to go on that mission trip. And so you're building it. I remember when I was caring so much for those homeless people back when, just after college, when I was doing that. I remember those days. I remember the days when, when, I, when I was reading these inspirational books and then I was going out and doing it. And I was, I was telling my roommate how much I'm just loving life and loving the Lord. You're taking everything. I wasn't fearful. And you set yourself up. Watch this. You you set yourself up. (laughs) So dumb. You You set yourself up. You built your house. You've, you've, you're listening to his words. And you said, I'm going to take every one of those. I'm going to set my life up on the rock. And you built it. But now the rains are coming. And you're getting wet. And you're going, why am I getting wet? You told me if I build my house on the rock, it's going to stand when the rains come. Why am I getting wet? And we've missed something from that parable. Look at what he says to him. He says, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. He's saying you are building it. It's not built, you're still building it. Whoever told you to stop building? But for, for some reason, we, we look at it like a checklist. I did it. I already, I already did that one. I already went to that place. I already served in that way. I already listened to God. I already stored up treasures in, in heaven. We, we check the box and we stop building. And Jesus is saying, Come on, man. Keep building. This is every day. How are my words today helping you to build your house on the rock? How are you taking them today and planting them deeply on the bedrock? When you listen to an opportunity to go on a mission trip, do you say, I went on a bunch of those before, not anymore? Come on. Gordon McDonald said that your best years of your life are between 45 and 85. 
So those are your best years of your life because those are the years that you get to take all the mistakes you ever made and now you get to learn from them and share to other people the wisdom that you've got. No one ever said stop building. No one ever said you, you, did, you finished that one. He's going keep building because as you keep building, change keeps happening. That change, that change from, from, from this, this, mo- this momentary thing to something eternal. That change from, from this is easy to maybe difficult, but so worth it. That change from efficient to faithful. And you see those changes happening, and that's, that's the change Jesus wants for us in our life. As we draw closer and closer to him. He's saying, that's putting your house on a rock every single day. And this week, you guys, as I have prepared this, I have thought about so many of you and just going, my gosh, they need so badly to be on the rock. And I start thinking about my life then and going, I got to learn from that and put, it on, put my house on the rock as well. I thought about Don. And I'm going, if Don Bachman has got his house built on the sand of his marriage, it will be flattened. And he has to have his house built on the foundation on the rock. He's got to have it built on the rock. Kayla Maxey, who was up here in front, she and Cole, they just, they, just, they just fostered a child that they want to adopt. It's fostering to adopt. Little two-year-old Shelby, awesome little girl. And I went out to, 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 for coffee with Kayla, and I said, Kayla, so is that hard? Because you don't know if you're actually going to get to keep Shelby. And I said, so do you have to kind of hold back as a mom and not really give? And, she, and she's going, no, I can't. I have to go all out and say, this is my daughter. I have to do that. And I'm going, man, is that scary? And she goes, yeah, it's scary. And I'm looking at that going, man, they need, if they put their house on sand, it's going to fall. If they put their house on the rock, they don't have to fear. Put your house on the rock. She's going, Cole has been, has been so good at reminding me, God, God is in this with us. And every day she's, he's, she's being reminded, put your house on the rock. This church, you guys, we cannot do ascent church if we're planting it on momentum or planting it on finances or planting it on numbers or planting it on personality. We have got to put this thing so firmly planted on the rock. We've got to listen to every single word that Jesus said and says, how are we living that thing out now in our lives and in the lives of this church? Because we want this to stay for hundreds of years. We want this to go, go through whatever battering the wind and the rain will bring. We want that kind of change as a church. We want that kind of change individually. We want us to grow more and more so much that when we are done and we're taking our last breath, we're taking it and we're saying, I am firmly planted on the rock. I want to finish with this little video. It's just a, little, just a few seconds here. I want to, it's, it's from, a, um, from a movie called Life is a House. And it's a, it's a movie where it's an older movie. Some of you guys might remember it, um, where, where Kevin Klein is dying of cancer. And he says, I want you to help me build this house to his son. And so he's trying to convince him to help him to build this house. And he's telling him, here's, how, here's what happens when you allow change to happen in your life. And, and really, it's, it's, I love it because it's really the message that we're talking about. So watch this real quick. I'm not even listening. You know the great thing, though? Is that change can be so constant that you don't even feel the difference until there is one. It can be so slow that you don't know that your life is better or worse until it is. Or it can just blow you away, make you something different in an instant. 
this house with me. Come on. Father, I know that that's what you're saying to us right now. Just build this house with you. Lay this foundation with you, on you. I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to do that. When we want to choose easy, I pray that you would help us to, to recognize what it looks like to maybe dig a little harder and to plant it on the rock. When we want to choose momentary and temporary, God, help us to see eternal. We pray that you would help every single one of us, whether we know you or not or whether we, what we've done in our past or not, we pray that each one of us would, would firmly plant it on the, lock, on the rock and then keep building. God, help us to do that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.